Hello and welcome to the podcast The Lotus Eaters for Monday My Dudes. I'm joined by Harry. Hello. And today we'll be talking about the fact that yes, it is government controlled, all those responses. Australia joins the farmer beatdown and journos most affected. F's in the chats, boys. I just want to say if you hear me uh, messing with things right now, I'm uh, suffering quite a bit from hay fever, so I have some hall soothers to relieve myself. So You're not, you're not just chewing gum. I'm not chewing gum. I'm not chewing gum. I'm trying to prevent myself from having to snort very loudly straight into the microphone. I was going to make a Duke Nukem joke, but no, it's not do that. <laughs> anyway, but I really want to bring up the Breaking Bad stuff, but we'll oh, save that. We'll save that. I don't know. All right. What? Well, you're going to make a segment on it? Maybe I should write a crappy article that just is Walter White is a racist. Yeah, yeah. Maybe go for it. We've, we've discovered something rather suspicious about Breaking Bad. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> So yes, it is all government controlled. This is what I was speaking about on Friday in regards to the responses to events. Um, I'm going to call them tragedies, but that's the wrong word because that, that makes it sound like, you know, act of God where a meteor falls out the sky and for some reason decides to stab three white men to death in a park. And uh, often. <laughs> Many such cases. Yeah, no, we're, we're talking about the, um, well, how can I put this politely? The thing. Random events that happen in, in British life since uh, the 2010s, for some reason. And, um, well, it turns out the government has a playbook for how to respond to such things. And because of course they do. This is not unexpected either. I mean, some people will argue as we read through this, oh, well, this is the responsible role of a government to try and have some kind of responses to temper tensions. Unfortunately, as we go through it, you'll see, well, it has the other effect of retarding all public dialogue about these conversations. So... There's that. But otherwise, let's get into it. We'll start off by promoting something on lotuses.com, being Matthew Goodwin's Values, Voice, and Virtue interview. So do go and check that out. Otherwise, we shall begin. Because where we left it off was this attack in Nottingham, in which local West African migrant who'd been here for a few years decided to go out with his white van, and the white van killed people. I can't believe it. So I'm told. All right. But the response was to hold this massive vigil, which had been organized in two days, which was impressive to say the least. And they had a massive hashtag on a banner. They had the mothers of the dead children come out and give speeches about how, well, for some reason, they laid in their speeches with topics about racism and religious Don't bigotry. Don't be racist, guys. Well, one of the lines was from... This was completely neutral as an action. It could have happened to anybody, been done by anybody. Nobody was talking about race either, but she didn't just say race. She said, like a government checklist... She said, have no hatred for race, gender, religion, and blah, blah, blah. The, the literal spiel you get from the Equality Act, which a normal person wouldn't write, I would have Well, thought. I mean, notice the uh, incredibly checklisty lineup of diversity standing yeah. where right behind where she would be giving the speech from here. So a lot of people were suspicious about this event because this has happened multiple times. We went through it on Friday. I won't rehash the whole thing. You can see here a clip we didn't play. Did, did she which... break out an acoustic guitar and start singing Don't Look Back in no. Anger? But that did happen in Manchester. Yep. You could see the the one of the MPs here coming out and just saying love always wins because a bland well, slogan for some uh, reason. Evidence to the contrary, mate. Well, anyway, we'll, we'll check out this article from Middle East Eye. Now, the Middle East Eye is... Um, from the Middle East? No, they're based they in not? London. Oh, are they? Oh, okay. So the, the guy who founded them, I feel, is the ad sir. He used to work for The Guardian and they've had some really prestigious people writing for them, including, uh, what is it, Kamal Khashoggi? the guy who was assassinated by the Saudis. Oh, yeah. They've been banned in Saudi Arabia and United Arab Emirates All right. as a result. But the point being, they're, they're not unusual of an outlet, and the data in here and information I'm going to believe because it seems to be factually accurate. But the list in here, Mind Control, the secret UK government's blueprints shaping post-terror planning. 
Now, the thing is, this isn't always about terrorism, the response to a random incident, as we're going to keep referring to them as. The British government has prepared for terrorist incidents by pre-planning social media campaigns that are designed to appear to be spontaneous public responses to attacks. The Middle East Eye has learned. Hashtags are carefully tested before attacks happen. Instagram images selected and impromptu street protests uh, posters are printed. In operations that contingency planners term controlled spontaneity, politicians' statements, vigils, and interfaith events are also negotiated and planned in readiness for any terror attack. The campaigns have been deployed during every terrorist incident in recent years, including the 2017 London Bridge attack and Finsbury Park mosque attack. Within hours of an attack, other campaigns are swiftly organised with I Heart posters being designed and distributed according to the location of the attack, and plans drawn up for people to hand out flowers at the scene of the crime, in apparently unprompted gestures of love and support. Wow. I can't believe people would just go out and do this without being prompted at all. No. Is the question that they're hoping that you would ask yourself is... I mean, this is... It's, it's Look at the community ridiculous. coming together by force. I mean, this article is talking about how they'll do it in response to terrorist attacks, but they will do it in response to literally anything that they want to manufacture consent with. You know, often people talk about how maybe Just Stop Oil and all of these other protest groups seem to have a certain level of protection from the government because perhaps they're trying to manufacture the consent from the public for something that they're trying to do, like pass the bills that limit the ab ability of people to protest, for instance. Uh, I always ask the question whenever any whenever they pop up is, where are all of these women getting the Handmaid's Tail outfits from? Because <laughs> whenever there's a protest, sure. there seems to be just a lineup of women with perfectly tailored Handmaid's Tail outfits. I'm not saying there's no reason to be suspicious about other events. Um, in this specific instance, though, the very ser um, similar responses to a series of well, different kind of attacks are not necessarily terrorist incident. The one in Nottingham, for example, mm. counterterrorism police were involved, but there's no evidence there was a terrorist attack so far, just a random migrant incident. That's how they're phrasing it. But we don't have any evidence concrete for those ones. For this, we do. And this is an article that's written before this incident in Nottingham, as you can see, 2019. Back in 2019, yes. But um, well, the same response seems to have happened. So, I mean, call me mental, but I think if the same thing keeps happening in a bunch of instances, and then we find out the government orchestrated all of them. And then another incident happens that's very similar, and the exact same response gets implemented within hours. And then one of the parents of I one mean, of the people... One I, of the, I mean, one of the parents of one of the people who died comes out and comes out with this incredibly government-approved checklist of, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this, let's not make it about race, let's not make it about this and it's that. It's like, no one was saying. I mean, at one point she says, don't make it about religion. It's like, no one was... What? We don't even well, know what religion the guy was. Well, I mean, I think that's a bit... <laughs> Uh, I mean, when something like this happens, everybody knows there's an unspoken tension in the air for most normies that they know really what it's about, but you're not supposed to you, say. How could you say that? There will be people who do come out and just outright say it, and they're addressing those people whilst also letting everybody, every one of the normies know, no, you're not supposed to think this. You know that that's what actually happened, but you're not allowed to think it. So if you say it in public, you will be shamed. So we'll, we'll go over the, the evidence, and then people can make their own views, of course, but I, I am um, sus of such things. The purpose of the operation, so this is the, the I don't know, white knight version of Steel Man of why we do it. According to a number of people involved in their creation, is to shape public responses, encouraging individuals to focus on empathy for the victims and a sense of unity with strangers, rather than reacting with violence or anger. So the best idea is that we're tampering tensions and even if we're lying or orchestrating this that's okay because it means there won't be any violence 
and that's a good thing because violence bad. That's as far as their thinking goes. They do in response to violence created by policies that well, they have pushed forward. Well, well uh, yeah, that's true. But also, that's as far as their thinking goes. No one thinks about the effect of that for some reason at the government. We'll get back to that in a minute. Someone had been devised, uh, some had been devised the previous year at a time when social media platforms were aiding communications between protests during the Arab Spring and when a series of riots were erupting in towns and cities across England. Although there were no terrorist incidents at the 2012 Olympics, variants are said to have been deployed in the wake of every attack since the UK. Uh, in, in the, the UK, UK since, since then. then. The point being that uh, I was skipping over a little bit there because we'd be here all day if we read mm -hmm. the whole goddamn thing. 2012 was when they planned for, okay, we're just going to plan there's going to be a bunch of terrorist attacks. We should have some plan in place to deal with that. Response from the public who are upset that we can't keep them safe. And the response was, what if we control their feelings? Examples of controlled spontaneity within the UK that the Middle East Eye has identified include a media campaign that was swiftly deployed after a number of British and American aid workers were beheaded by Islamic State militants in 2014, the use of hashtags, posters, and vigils after the London Bridge attacks of June 2017, in which eight people were murdered and almost 50 injured. We went over the Lion of London Bridge, who mm -hmm. was Millwall, last time. A Twitter, Facebook, and mainstream media campaign that was employed later that month, shortly after a man drove his van into a group of people outside a mosque in North London, killing one person and injuring ten others, that being the Finsbury Park mosque attack. Yes. There were a series of Islamic-inspired uh, attacks, so then there was an anti-Islamic attack from a random, and then everything died down. All, all of these, I must say, always seem to... Because apart from that Finsbury Park one that you've just mentioned... A lot of them seem to generally be in one direction. So a lot of this manufactured consent seems to be in the direction of the Norm Macdonald joke, but what what, what might happen to the innocent, peace-abiding Muslims? That is the primary concern. In fact, we have the evidence. So you can see here the Union Jack hijab. This is the main aspect they bring up here. So after Alan Henning, a British aid worker, was murdered by Islamic State in October 2014, the Research Information and Communications Unit, so RICU, terrible name, a controversial propaganda unit that is part of the Home Office Security and Counterterrorism in the UK, turned to a striking image that had already been developed by one of its private sector contractors. Yep. The image was created by Breakthrough Media, a London-based communication company, and was photographed of a woman wearing a Union Jack hijab, taken for the profile in response to the event. And as you can see, the Sun had that as their front page in response to uh, someone being executed in the Middle East. Okay, they can make this claim that this is organised by the government. Where's your evidence? Well, they've got the documents, so they just printed them. Yep. It's pretty good evidence. So the next one here. We can see that uh, uh, this is just the uh, thing in question I'm talking about. But I believe if we uh, move on. Yeah, this one. This is the article about the whole thing in detail. But if we go to the next link, then we can see the actual evidence in question. There you are. This is the document. Making a stand. Aim to encourage British Muslim women to make a stand and to take the lead to reject ISIL propaganda and discourage travel to Syria and Iraq. Like, you can see the, let's say, well-meaning aspects of such a thing. Again, when we usually go over stuff, I'm, I'm very sceptical of, like, oh, these people are all just evil. Usually they are complete morons. I mean, like, the response from that poster, for a minute, if we go back to the poster is that, well, what's the message? The propaganda message is that diversity is not a problem because we're all British. That's what I would take away from that aspect. And Certainly, believe, it's the message that's trying to be sent out there. Yeah, I mean, The Sun isn't a uh, Muslim women magazine. No, it's, it's not <laughs> known for such things. It's meant for a general audience, and in which case, then 
well, you're not making it just for women? Because if you go to the uh, document again, that's what the weird thing about the whole thing is. So, very quickly, the Making a Stand campaign was launched to inspire, by Inspire, a women's counter-extremism organization. Internal government documents seen by the Middle East Eye lists Making a Stand as a RISU product, referring to the Research Information and Communications Unit, the Home Office, blah, 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 been over it. But they say in here, so UK secrecy, first off, rating is from official to secret and then top secret. So this is the lower level. Mm. There you are. Primary target audience, 250,000 female Muslims aged 15 to 39 in 30 prevent priority areas from Bangladeshi, Pakistani, Arab and Somali backgrounds. Coverage, national, resources required, access to women's civil society. Oops. Well, that's why I was thinking it might be on the sun, because perhaps in these 30 prevent priority areas, perhaps the sun is the most prevalent newspaper or most purchased newspaper in those areas. I don't think they're that smart, to be honest. I think they are. I think they just went, well, how do we get a large audience, put it in the sun? I mean, perhaps. Anyway, but they, the thing in here, so they're trying to organise a post-response in, in images and hashtags of trust us everything's fine because we're all in this together okay well that's not what i took from it as we mentioned i mean the rest of the public because obviously that message goes out to everyone is something else and i don't even know if they're smart enough to understand that honestly i mean the person who wrote that document do you think they ever thought for a minute how the rest of the british public would take that image well, I think I just wrote that off as though. Um, I think, think they know that they can control the narrative and control the flow of discussion well enough that whatever controversy comes about can either be silenced or shamed. Yeah, whereas uh, other communities not. We'll go back to the article because there's this one. We're sending you 100 imams. While covert messaging deployed as part of the Prevent program is aimed at Muslims, particularly young men, attempts to plan for controlled spontaneity in the wake of a terrorist attack is aimed at the general population. So that previous one was apparently meant to be aimed at just Muslims. This is the London Bridge attacks, where a team of men arrived at the scene of the murders in an unmarked van. They could be seen being admitted behind the police cordon, where they plastered walls with a number of posters bearing images of London and a number of hashtags that were already circulating on Twitter. Hashtag turn to love, hashtag for London, and hashtag love will win. So if you remember the terrorist attacks, and you remember that being the response... Or, you know, don't look back in anger or anything else, and you think, what? That's your response to your people being killed? Well, it's, it's the government's response. It's, it's to make you not focus or get angry, because that might cause them to change the endless cycle, which is you put a French flag in your profile and move on, and then it happens again. Instead, they want you to put the French flag in your profile, move on, and have it happen again. That's the best outcome for if, them. For me, my question that always pops up with this is... This is all in response to the inevitable consequences of a multi-ethnic, multicultural society like we have in the UK at the moment, when obviously multi-ethnic tensions due to multiculturalism and ethnic conflict and all such things will bubble up and cause these sorts of issues. Is all of this conspiracy, is the violence, is the obvious immense amount of effort that it takes to be able to pull these sorts of things off, is all of this worth it? just so that you just can make so we... sure that Westminster toffs can have brown people serving them at Pret. I, I thought you were going to go with the, the other argument. Which one? What would we do without all the food? Oh, well, I mean... I mean, we could spend all this money or we could buy a cookery book. So... <laughs> I mean, I know it was a Rowan Atkinson joke back in the day, but, I mean, we do have the recipe. We, we literally do. We do actually have the recipe now. 
But if you go to the next link here, we can see that, um, well, this seemed to happen a lot, because, I mean, this is the speech here, and as you can see, this Channel 4 journalist, for some reason, decided to tweet out that line, please hold no hate that relates to any colour, sex, or religion, as if people were hating men in response to this. Again, it isn't natural, that wording there is what I'm talking about, the fact that it is literally ripped from the Equalities Act, the government's legislation, and this person being like, inspiring, beautiful, hashtag Nottingham together. I, d I did see something really hilarious, actually, in response to this. I don't want to turn the tone down or anything, but it was a, a meme where somebody had put, uh, when I get run over by a, a member of the diversity and my mum gets up on national television and says he wouldn't want it to have been about race, and all of a sudden you see the gravestone, a hand bursts out of the grave and he rises <laughs> back up. <laughs> uh, there were quite a few responses of just being like, I don't understand. Well, I'm, you know, I'm going out on a limb here, but I think maybe... Because if she just said, oh, I shouldn't be about race because the guy was West African, I could at least be like, okay, well, that makes sense. But to list all of the different characteristics of the Equality Act 2010, spontaneously, she I mean, might, it is amazing. She might as well have just walked up and said, looked straight into the camera and said, do not blame the government's immigration policies for this. We'll get the next one, because uh, BBC... It's that transparent. Journo did the same thing, as you can see there, hashtag Nottingham Together. Yeah, and just another Journo, just brought in. Massive banner that says hashtag Nottingham Together, one city. Which has just been printed in the last day because, I don't know. They never would have expected anything like this to happen. Good Samaritans just organised a, uh, a a mass vigil with the barriers and say stewards. this is the one thing we didn't want to happen. You know, people handing out flowers just to good Samaritans. It's Okay, well, we'll get back to the article because there's more evidence here that, right. that leads to that. So this practice, known in, in the UK as fly posting, this being the putting up of posters behind the police cordon at London Bridge, is a minor criminal offence. But police admitted members of the fly posting team behind the cordon and took no action. The men were doing the work, dedicated, uh, sorry, declined to tell journalists who they were or where they were from. When the cordon was eventually lifted and members of the public were able to return to the scene of the attack, they found themselves surrounded by apparently impromptu signs of the public's defiance and unity. And you can see it here, yep. for example. These were, the imams come in in a minute and they're holding some of the signs there. I mean, they are crap as well, signs. The day after that, a government official telephoned Southwark Council, the local authority for the area where the murders happened. Quote, he said, we're sending you 100 imams, the council officer recalls. Two days after that, about 100 imams and Muslim community leaders from across the UK duly appeared on the bridge, with one reading a statement condemning the attack. Amazing. Amazing that these people just happen to all feel a sense of unity. The following weekend, a group of Muslims arrived at the bridge and handed out thousands of red roses. One of the organisers described it as a symbolic gesture of love for the people affected by the attack. Public's supposed to just think, oh, we went out and handpicked them all ourselves. Yes, uh, the, the local Muslims, um, whenever you poll them on such instance, the first thing that comes to mind is how do we hand out roses to the public? Yeah. Hashtag just Muslim things. What the event's organisers did not say is that she worked for the Home Office in law enforcement. She told the Middle East Eye that it was an entirely grassroots initiative with no government assistance. I was acting as a member of the community and sought assistance from my personal networks, is what this person told the council worker, which is obviously a lie. They worked for the Home Office and it was orchestrated as uh, the term they use is recovery in these instances. Recovery of what exactly? The narrative, National I presume? unity. Yeah. They also go on to the hero of Finsbury Park. This is actually quite a sad story for the Muslim guys involved who just got thrown under the bus by the Home Office, as well as obviously the event itself. 
A week later, in the early hours of Monday morning, an Islamophobic lone attacker, Darren Osborne, drove his van into a group of men near a mosque in Finsbury Park, North London. A number of the young men restrained Osborne and protected him uh, from attacks by others. A little while later, they were joined by Mohammed Mahmoud, the mosque's imam. By the following morning, the hashtag WeStandTogether was running across Twitter, after initially being promoted by police and police commanders. You know, average grassroots people. As journalists gathered at the police cordon, a number of... Uh, then were approached by a woman who called herself Gabby and explained she was working for a company called Horizon PR. What Gabby did not say was that Horizon PR had actually been created by Breakthrough Media, another communications company, M&C Satachi PR UK, and that Breakthrough had used it to promote the messaging it creates and disseminates through cooperating with civil society groups under a contract with Raisu. There you go. I mean, that's a long, long web of... Okay, yeah. Gabby turns up here. What did Gabby do? Gabby was just there to hand out roses? No, no. A number of journalists have told the Middle East Eye that Gabby offered to introduce them to the man standing nearby. This man explained that his name was Shakut Warich and that he was from an organization called Faith Associates. Warich stretched that the journalists... Uh, to the journalists, the role that the mosque's imam had played in protecting Osborne until he could be handed over to the police. This came to dominate the news reports days after the attack. Uh, he did not mention anything about the organization's relationship with Breakthrough or the British government. Faith Associates, a limited company, had for several years been part-funded by government contracts, and an internal Breakthrough and Raisu documents seen by the Middle East Eye showed that it, it works to disseminate government messaging. Now, you may have noticed, no point did they mention the other Muslim guys who actually held him down. Nope. They go over in here, the Muslim guys in question got pretty pissed off about that and stopped even attending the mosque afterwards. I mean, they <laughs> should be heroes of the community. And instead they were just, I don't know, you're the wrong car. We need an imam to, do, to make the statement. Okay. And then this is the most important bit and I think explains the reasoning and then you can argue what's good or bad. I'm on the side that the government should stop interfering with dialogue. I think we can solve this ourselves without them. I mean, they won't. Yeah. They won't. This is democracy. For anybody who's still not really caught up with all of this, this is democracy. Democracy, the will of the people, etc., etc., is just a arms race to see who can propagandize the masses more effectively. And if the state, well, literally sides with you in terms of what if we just promote love and the, 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 nothing <laughs> bad ever happens? Where is the left wing position? The status quo is fine. Yep. Flowers, not riots. This is the best bit. Some governments have been increasingly nervous about the power of social media, however, and will attempt to shut it down rather than make use of it, as happened in Sri Lanka after more than 250 people were killed in suicide bombings in April. Dr. Lucy Easthope, a leading figure at the Cabinet Office Emergency Planning College, has written that recovery, the term I used earlier, has since become to be seen as a specific phase of the disaster that emergency planners attempt to order and something that can be planned for in advance, both with specificities of the emergency uh, that's known, and also you can fill in the other stuff that's new yep. later. Fill in the blanks. In order to keep the recovery process under control, hashtags and Facebook posts are said to be examined exhaustively in advance for their use to establish that they can be used without provoking unintended reactions. So they're literally sitting around planning Facebook memes and hashtags. Great. After a terrorist attack or any other disaster, cabinet team officers uh, will work very quickly with the Red Cross and local contingency planners who usually send out the first social media messages, the Middle East Eye has been told. Quote, 
What is wanted is flowers being handed out outside mosques, one emergency planner emphasises, and not riots. Because if there's flowers, everyone just focuses on crying, and then everyone forgets about it and moves on and nothing happens, and the same thing happens again next year. Whereas if there's riots, there's, in her words, an urgency on the government to do something. And we wouldn't want the government to actually do something, would we? I mean, to be fair, whenever the government does anything, it's inevitably the wrong thing, so... I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I have noticed that especially, uh, well, especially across the pond in France, it is, it is the only thing that seems to stop their government from doing a thing. Of course, the French take it a bit too far every three months. Well, by burning <laughs> down Paris. Everything. <laughs> but that's their culture. But as what I've just mentioned, flowers, not riots. The whole point being orchestrate the situation so everyone's sitting around crying. Does the following make more sense? We go to the next link here. We can see Manchester attack, Albert Square, vigil of peace. And all these people who have now got little posters and placards saying, I love Manchester. It's just been printed overnight. Amazing. They had them at hand for some reason. If you scroll down, we can see that better rather than just the, being at the bottom. Yep. But there you are. Just for some reason. That, that was all spontaneous. I mean, for, for those who don't live in England as well, this happens every single time one of these incidents happen. And they are semi-regular at this point, sadly. They are something that happens pretty commonly. Uh, and every single time that it does, a big organisation, a big gathering happens, and you find... The same thing. This, every single time. Be the next one here, just to make the point of, does this make more sense? Um, the all turning up and singing Oasis, don't look back in anger. The flowers being handed out. I mean, sure, there are plenty of people who will go and buy flowers and bring them, but the government are literally telling us, we also send people to hand them out. So, does that. I mean, does the mother's statement make more sense now? I mean, again, call me crazy, but... I think listing off the specifics of the legislation, race, colour, sex, or religion... Is a little unusual. Please do not discriminate against any of the Equalities Act 2010 protected characteristics. That's my statement. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you. Goodbye. If we go to the next one as well, um, does the random diversity make more sense as well, as you pointed out, behind her? It's a very deliberately chosen level of diversity in the background as well. Diversity of the crowd wasn't the same as what was on the stage by the organisers. Who, who knows who they are. And this is very much a unique response to unique places as well, as we've learned. So in this article, for example, they mentioned Salisbury, the Novichok attack. So if people don't know, um, the, the story goes that some Russian agents found an ex-KGB officer who was living in Salisbury, and he had betrayed them back when it was the Soviet Union. So Russian agents came, poisoned him, and it was a chemical weapons attack. So in response, according to the people at the Home Office, they said they started planning in the same way they always had. Because remember, it's, it's not just terrorist acts, it could be anything. So they started organising, well, should we get some I love Salisbury t-shirts and etc. Quote, In Salisbury, people were telling us, we're not going to wear t-shirts saying I love Salisbury, we just want the Novichok cleared up. We can play the hashtag game in Manchester, where there's a lot of young people, and they like it. <laughs> that says it all, doesn't it? These stupid, moronic children are so desperate to virtue signal that they'll just go along with literal government psyops. Kind of, yeah. That's, I mean, that's the message that I get Vulnerable that. young people who have just been shocked by something happening. Yeah, you can play games with them, it seems. But in Salisbury, there's a lots of ex-military people, this is a quote, and people just seem to have good sense, so we didn't use the usual recovery stuff there, end quote. So yeah, no, we, the people here have lived with conflicts. They're literally too been to smart. War. They're too smart and too experienced to fall for something like this. They, they know a side when they see it, and it's boring. It's a waste of money. So they didn't bother. So there we are. There's that. 
So um, they, they go on to talk about just, they also organize multi-faith displays of solidarity that are negotiated in advance of every terror attack, such as on that stage. Huh? Perhaps she has written, quote, the fight, the right, sorry, the fight rhetoric has gone too far. And it is a mistake to, quote, insist that the first message should always be, we will overcome this, as if the enemy was on the beaches. Yeah, because you're retarding political conversation. I mean, she's talking about here the aspect of, we can't let the far right win. Every time. As another English family is being mowed down by a white van, rogue white van, right behind the... Can't believe a white van would do this. Yeah. Quote, the government wants the Twitter storm or the Facebook storm to be its gift. And of course, it can't be. But you can distract people by putting up a photograph of a French flag or whatever. We're, these are her words. We are not going to have these debates because we are saying, I heart so-and-so, and I'm going to change my profile picture to the New Zealand flag. I may have added the voice. And I'm going to do the hacker at school assembly. When there's nothing people can actually do, they change the photo of their Facebook page. They feel like they've done something about it, and they can go back to work. They're not agitating the government. That sums it up for me. I mean, that's the direct hope, uh, quote from the person who helps organize this stuff, who spoke to the Middle East Eye, giving them the documents in question. And yeah, that's the reason. If you don't agitate the government, they have no pressure on them to do anything, which is why, top-down, they are trying to control us. So there you have it. Again, do you not believe me? Go and check it out yourselves. Not even my words. Also, look at into what a government denotice is. That's another interesting thing where the government can literally say to all of the major newspapers in England, uh, don't talk about this story. If the government had wanted, they'd have been able to just switch this off from the mainstream narrative if they wanted yeah. to. The only problem that I don't think that works as well as it used to is because of social media now. Uh, they end this off just by mentioning the person in question is like, we're not actually ever debating the serious responses of terrorism, what causes it, how to stop it, blah, 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 because we're constantly just going, I love Manchester. And it is just, it's not helpful. It actually gets more people killed. So, I mean, if there are any uh, spooks watching, um, my advice would be to F off. Uh, honestly, you, you have retarded public conversation so many times that you have made the conversation about how to stop such things completely lobotomized. When you go and talk to the public, you will get people who have had that response in their face of like, oh, we shouldn't be angry about it, should we? And what's the response? As your leaker says, nothing changes. And everything just gets worse. So yeah, you've made the country worse with your work. Thanks again. Thank you very much, Home Office. And thank you very much, Callum. Let's move on to the next segment. So we've spoken quite a lot recently about all of the continuous attacks that are going on against farmers. Generally speaking, we're talking about the UK, but you can also look at the US where uh, certain billionaires who will not be named have bought up mi uh, miles and miles and miles of farmland. In Ireland, we've got the un completely unnecessary cow cull that might be going on. And in England, there's just continuous attacks against farmers being able to actually do their job and seemingly a concerted effort to push them off of their own farmland so that we can get diverse farmers in, which, you know, works so well in South Africa, Zimbabwe. Every single time it happens, every single time it's implemented, it's been no problem. Everything's gone great. So let's, I can't wait for it to happen here. Australia, or more specifically, West Australia, has decided that they, in the name of diversity, in the name of protecting certain people's cultural heritage, also want to destroy farming and agriculture in that particular state. And to be clear, because I know some people have questioned our ability to cover Australia in the past without mentioning that it's made up of various states. Uh, as far as I'm aware, this is something specific to West Australia. So Queensland, New South Wales, Northern Territories, this isn't happening there. You're I, right? Yeah, I just love the idea that every time this piece of legislation or type of legislation comes up, 
Like I want to see the guy in the in the legislature give the speech and then just end it with God bless Mugabe. (laughs) (laughs) Might as well. We'll we'll get to some of the questionable uh, questionable statements made by West Australian government officials in a little bit. And it might as well be close enough to that. (laughs) Uh, But on the website, we've got some more excellent videos out recently, including a premium epochs where Bo spoke to go up. I've forgotten who he spoke to. Connor. uh, (laughs) Sorry, Connor, about Lucky Luciano, one of the original gangsters. And I thought it would be appropriate to point you towards this video because it really does seem like there is going to be a lot of shaking down of Australian, West Australian farmers going on in the near future. So uh, this piece of legislation that I'll direct you to in a moment. Where where's it come from? Why has it happened? What's going on? So it's directed in favour of protecting Aboriginal cultural heritage sites. So this is Australian Aboriginals or Indigenous peoples, whatever you want to call, whatever the most politically correct term for them these days is uh, it all comes off of the back of this. So this is an article from The Guardian from 2021. The incident itself happened in 2020 was the Jukan Gorge destruction, which was an Aboriginal sacred site. It was a cave where there was like evidence that, oh, 46,000 years ago, somebody might have scraped his hand against the wall in here. Therefore, it's a sacred site. So Rio Tinto... (sighs) I mean, I'd always wonder if it was a sacred site. I mean, what, what really do you have to do to get that qualifier? As we'll find out, asking that quench question is very culturally insensitive, and you should feel ashamed for asking it. So, it's not the Stonehenge of the Aboriginals, is it? Uh, it doesn't seem... It was just a cave. Yeah. It, it was just a cave that had some nice iron ore in it. <laughs> and kind, a of co- emba- kind of embarrassing, actually. <laughs> the peak of our civilization. it's a cave. It's, it's a <laughs> cave that maybe one day had somebody scrawl like a stick figure on the side of it. I'm bigger than Terry. Just... <laughs> there you go. That's Australian culture over there. I'm bigger than Bruce. Rio Tinto, which was a mining company, uh, they destroyed an Aboriginal heritage site on 24th of May 2020, exactly one year on from the disaster in which Rio blew up the ancient rock shelters showing human occupancy dating back 46,000 years to access higher grade iron ore. West Australia's new Aboriginal Affairs Minister, uh, Stephen Dawson, said Aboriginal heritage laws would be introduced to Parliament in the second half of 2021, which is what this legislation ended up being. The chair of the Parliamentary Committee into the destruction of Duke and Gorge, Warren N said that the committee was considering whether traditional owners should be granted the power of veto over the destruction of cultural heritage. And if we go to the next article, we've got some more information on here. So the Aboriginal Cultural Heritage Act uh, from 2021 will supersede the original Aboriginal Heritage Act from 1972. This follows three years of discussions with Aboriginal people, industry experts, and the larger Western Australian community. The Act will seek to provide better recognition and conservation by placing traditional owners in nice capital letters there, so you know that they're more important than you, at the centre of the decision-making process about heritage management. One of the key changes to be made aware of is a new, broader definition of Aboriginal cultural heritage under Section 12 of the Act. This is where it gets fun. This is where you're going to have to hold back laughter here because it is so typical. So typical of the absolute throw S at the wall and see what sticks approach of how they legislate all of this stuff. Are you ready? All right. So... It now includes cultural landscapes and intangible elements that are important to Aboriginal people. Practically, heritage surveys completed prior to the 21st of December 2021 will need to be reviewed to ensure that they consider intangible elements. So the air here is sacred, essentially. I've got, there's some magic in the air around here, therefore you can't do anything to it. 
Okay. And this will get... I don't see any way in which this could be abused. Do you? On 19th of May, 2023, the code was gazetted. I assume that's a Australian term for, uh, you know, just com finally completed. And the act will come into full effect from the 1st of July, 2023. However, still to be released are guidelines in relation to surveys and investigations for this act. So watch this space. And that I did. And this is where I got the actual information regarding this from. This is where I saw that this was happening in the first place was this next link here, which was a Mr. Bogan, who I know online. Um, Fantastic name. Uh, he's at Bogan Pilled. I'd recommend giving him a follow. Um, he posted this, and I've spoken to him. And I just want to, before before I go any further, actually, do you know anything about Australian Aboriginals? I try not to. They're an interesting people. For instance, I've spoken to Mr. Bogan, and he does a lot of agricultural and labour work in West Australia. So this will be affecting him directly. The Aboriginal people, they, the, when you see them on television and such, they will put the absolute best of the best representatives of the community up. They are very well known for their incredible rates of alcoholism, like all the actual anecdotal testimony that I've ever heard from Australian people who get into regular contact with them is you never see them A, working a job, or B, without a bottle of beer in their hand from very young ages, to the point where a heavy percentage of them are born with fetal alcohol syndrome. Two, they sniff petrol to get high a lot. So You can get high from sniffing petrol? Yes, to the point where they had to introduce a non-sniffable type of petrol into Australia to prevent it from being sniffed. Now, Mr. Bogan, he's operating at the moment at a site that's, I think, across... <laughs> he sells alcohol and petrol, does he? <laughs> no, but he could make a killing if he did, i tell you that. Um, so what he's doing at the moment, he's working at a site opposite from uh, an abo uh, Aboriginal cultural heritage site. So what they've had to do is put special precautions... It's, it's like, you know, when gypsies are in your area and you've got to kind of lock everything down, nail everything down, because otherwise they will steal it. And if you have got everything nailed down, they'll probably just nick the screws off of everything anyway. It's kind of like that. They've got to have special precautions to A, make sure all the petrol they have on site isn't stolen overnight while they're all asleep. And B, to make sure that when they get back to their cars every morning that they've not nicked the tyres off it. He says, so far, nothing has been stolen. Uh, well, nothing like petrol or or tyres have been stolen, but they have nicked the the... Hub filler caps off of all the tyres, I think. The hub caps off the tyres, is what he told me. I mean, this is kind of an international meme at this point, isn't it? It is. I mean, especially as with we the Americans and the Europeans, or it's just like... We need to protect the rights and culture of the petrol sniffers. Well, it's, it's more this noble savage myth. Like, the idea that, like, the um, more barbaric people, let's say. So it could be the Indians in the United States, yes. of course, but also the, the Roma in uh, Europe... And you've seen like the footage I've shown you, the ones in Slovakia. Yes. Where yes, they tried to put me. them all in big uh, uh, tenements in Slovakia under it communism. Well. Didn't, didn't work. No. Nope. And it's just like, you don't seem to realize the differences until you live right next door to someone like. Yeah, of, well, uh, I've looked into a bit of it myself. I should have included the article, actually. There's a New York Times article talking about how in Australia, in the Northern Territories, I think there was an area called Alice Springs, which has a majority Aboriginal population. It's something like 60,000 of them live there they'll just live with the nature and they grass and no no they had to <laughs> that's what i mean it's the delusion they, they they all just sort of like scour the streets looking for booze and they have to have laws that were in place for 15 years to make it illegal to sell beer to aboriginals because of the rates of domestic violence and sexual abuse that were going on and then they decided you know what 
this is a really horribly racist thing that we've done here. So what we're going to do, we're going to lift the... Six months later, they get the restrictions straight back up because uh, violent crime rates as a result of alcohol abuse skyrocketed by upwards of 50% immediately the second it was done. Even Aboriginal community leaders were saying, this is a terrible idea. Don't do this. You know what's going to happen if you do this. And the Australians were like, well, we're not bloody racist, are we? And then they turn around and go, I guess we are. <laughs> the Aboriginals are like, could you please be? <laughs> could you please be racist? Please just be a bit more racist. So um, he, Mr. Bogan put this up and he said, from 1st of July in Western Australia, it's going to be practically illegal for an agricultural landowner to be productive on his own property without pre-approval from an unelected, racially selected committee of Aboriginal descent. So they're going to, this act is going to put together a committee of Aboriginal people who are going to be able to look at a site that you're going to be having agricultural labour and farm work done on, and they get to tell you whether it is, you know, whether it's actually a, a, a heritage site, whether it's a sacred site, whether there are intangible elements to this site. If you could scroll down and click on the image in this second tweet for me here. So uh, it asks a question in this bit that, it's, um, that you may want to ask, which is, how do I know if what they find really is culturally important? The answer... That's a culturally insensitive question. Aboriginal people are not required to disclose culturally sensitive information. If they say it's important, it's important, which is the legislative government version of it's not my job to educate you. Mm -hmm. Like that. That's, that's what that is. How do I know that the site is not, has not very recently become culturally significant? That question is a euphemism for how do I know if they're making it up? Another culturally insensitive question. It does not matter if it has. Cultural heritage can change over time. If, so if they just decide today... I, uh, your house, mate. It, uh, yeah, I had a... Cultural heritage of us, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so you go, you go to the site and you say... You, you, see, you speak to the cultural people and they go like, sorry, this is, this is now culturally sensitive. This is a now culturally significant area. How? Well, uh, my, my old cousin, he came here and he sniffed a bunch of petrol, got really high, had a magical experience. It's sacred now. Your wife clothes, mate. Yeah, they're, they're also ours. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's so ridiculous. Undresser, if, would you? <laughs> yeah, if you scroll down even more to this next one, to the last one in this little thread here. So to top it all off, it will cost 5,000 Australian dollars minimum to direct one of these cultural surveys. And this is how much these F-wits are going to earn just for conducting them. So who gets paid and at what rates? C COO, $160 to $240 per hour. Chief Executive Offer, $240 to $280 per hour. Aboriginal Consultant, $80 to $120 per hour. Senior Aboriginal Consultant, $120 to $160 per hour. And it goes on. It's absolutely ridiculous. How is it... Plus 20% tip. Yep, plus 20% plus tip. Remember to tip, your, tip as you finish. It's ridiculous. How is this not going to be abused by this new committee who are just going to turn around and say everything now is culturally significant to us so that we can charge exorbitant fees to be able to go over, waste as much time it's, as possible. It's good mug, mate. Yeah, it's culturally significant. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's so, <laughs> so ridiculous. And in the just to, just to fact check this, because I saw some people in the comments of this going, is this legit? Well, here's, uh, here's a more official source from a uh, local regional newspaper talking about this, where they just say, what will it cost to do a survey? Depends, but if it's a simple survey and nothing is found, then the explorer have worked on a $5,000 as minimum, but it can quickly rise to tens of thousands as it gets more complicated, or, or you are not suitably respectful. What does that mean? Don't want to give me 10 grand. <laughs> You're a bigot. <laughs>
if you don't give me that booze, mate, you've not been <laughs> suitably respectful. I mean, honestly, what are the fines for destroying a heritage site? Up to $10 million for a company or $1 million for an individual and an imprisonment of five years for serious harm down to uh, $25,000 and $250,000 for a minor harm to a site. For failing to report a site, the fine is $20,000 for individuals and $100,000 for companies. This is just an absolute racket. This is a shakedown scheme done on behalf of Aboriginal people, implemented and legislated by the West Australian government, because otherwise companies might accidentally blow up a cave that might have one day, thousands and thousands of years ago, had someone scrawl a painting on the side of a cave. Abs absolutely ridiculous. I understand that people want to maintain the cultural significance for you know, indigenous peoples of particular countries. I don't think that that in and of itself is something bad that people might want to do. You know, these people uh, exist and you could argue that they deserve um, deserve some respect if they're from that country originally, but this is not the way to do it. This is and surely absolutely you have something not the way cave. to do it. Yeah, sh surely you've got something more culturally significant than a cave, but then again, I guess we don't get to say that because that's culturally insen uh, insensitive. They get to decide. This rock, I assume, culturally <laughs> sensitive. <laughs> I mean, God, why was this image chosen, actually? This is very confusing. I mean, it's like the, is, is, is you're this right, the, though. The is this does the Aboriginal it. committee member as you're about to say, no, nah, I think you're making it up, mate, and he's got the rock in his hand. Like, I've got the rock of destiny here, and you've got your car. <laughs> oh, my God. What were you about to say? It's just, it's just the imagery is ridiculous. It, it is stupid, and of, understandably, understandably, the uh, actual farmers in the area not too happy, not too happy about it. In the next article, so they are very upset about it. The West Australian farmers are furious and the sweeping, uh, and they fear the new legislation will hold up, uh, hold them to ransom. I mean, what would give you that impression? Let's read through a bit of this. Uh, West Australian Farmers President John Hassel said landowners fear the open-ended system could be abused. I think I think that's a pretty reasonable fear to have. There wouldn't be a grower in the state who doesn't want to protect Aboriginal cultural heritage, he said. And to be fair, when you actually listen to Australian people talk about the Aboriginal peoples, it's not like they're horribly insensitive to them. It's not like they hate them. They want to no, look after them. It's not like them. when they talk about us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they want to actually look after them, but this is not the way to do it. The challenge we've got is that you can see cultural heritage when it's a burial site or meeting place, but you can't see this spiritual stuff. That's subject to change. You can't do a survey on your place and have it marked out forever after because someone can come along later and say that this is a spiritual place. He said that people were really worried that they could carry out normal work on the property and later deemed to be deemed to have damaged something that's not able to be seen. You know, you've damaged the vibes, bro. That's the extent of what I'm seeing here. Sorry, this has got sacred vibes, and uh, I've done a vibe check, and you've damaged the vibes. That's going to be $10,000 redos, mate. <laughs> I mean, seriously. What's that, Rock of Destiny? Oh, there's vibes here, is it? <laughs> sacred vibes. Cool, blimey. <laughs> just as a white people have just dressed up as Aboriginals as well. They're the ones getting paid to do this. <laughs> That'd be brilliant. So, uh, Mr. <laughs> what are you going to do? I don't know. They've I'm... just got one of those like old... Um, you to, know... be, to be fair, would that, would that fall under this as well? Sorry, are, are you actually Aboriginal, culturally insensitive, mate? Not suitably yeah. respectful? Why? I don't believe you, sir. Why? Well, you've got a Teletubby that's speaking to you in the ear. <laughs> Deciding you what's sacred. I just... <laughs> you keep sniffing petrol in between every sentence and telling me how sacred it all is. Uh, oh, God, Mr. Hassel... Bill Gates buying new farmland. <laughs> he said uh, farmers were... I'm sorry, I've just got a mental image now of Bill Gates dressed as an Aboriginal. <laughs> sniffing, <laughs> sniffing petrol. petrol. 
Mr. Hassel said farmers were concerned about the potential for the scheme to become a shakedown racket. I think farmers are definitely worried about that being the case. Continually on the grip, getting approved for every time they want to do something. There are people who are worried that they're going to get fined for doing things that are just normal farm business because this can also come under things just as simple as, you know, in Clarkson's farm, he just wanted to get a farm track and they, the local council said no. This could come down to as simple as I want a fence. I want a fence on my land. Ooh, ooh, that fence might break the vibes, so ooh, not so sure about that. There are around 5,200 farmers in Western Australia, running the gamut from grain and livestock to horticulture. Hassel said that the new laws were introduced in a knee-jerk reaction to the destruction of the Jukun Gorge by mining re uh, giant Rio Tinto in 2020. Jukun Gorge was approved knowing full well that it was a heritage site in 2013, and it wasn't until blowing it up in 2020 that there was a massive community outrage. So... The work that Rio Tinto had done in 2020 had already been improved at that point for seven years. And the reason why the uh, decision might have changed or the feelings around it might have changed are elucidated here. The only difference is that in 2013, there was 10,000 years of uh, Australian culture here. Now, all of a sudden, it's 65,000 years. I don't mind what it is as long as it's consistent and not bulldust. So... When we say that they could just make it up, we already have an example seemingly here that the second it gets blown up or something gets done to it, all of a sudden, oh, sorry, just added an extra, just done, oh, I forgot to carry the one. That's an extra 55,000 years of agricultural history, Australian cultural history here. That'll be uh, millions of dollars in compensation, please. Absolutely ridiculous. An e-petition to state parliament calling for laws to be delayed for at least six months has attained nearly 17,000 signatures in less than a week. The petition, sponsored by Mr. Seabrook and Liberal MLLC, Neil Thompson states that the incomplete nature of the implementation of the laws is imposing an extreme level of uncertainty on Western Australian landowners, business owners and individuals. Spokesman for the West Australian Aboriginal Affairs Minister, Tony Booty, said that the National Indigenous Times this week the, the state government had no plans to delay the implementation. And we can get some more info in, the, in this last article that I've got here because it's, it's absolutely ridiculous, some of the money and some of the conditions we're talking about. So one chief executive of a, criti a junior critical mineral player who spoke on condition of anonymity citing the sensitivity of the issue said his company had paid nearly $200,000 for an Aboriginal heritage survey and the heritage-related costs now represented close to one-third of the price tag attached to drilling an exploration hole. He warned that the situation would worsen once the new Aboriginal Cultural Heritage Act came into force, making mining and farming slower and costlier. So they already have these kinds of surveys taking place that already cost hundreds of thousands of dollars for people conducting them this will make it worse and make them more expensive and make them down to the most minute things that you might want to do on your land so more than 450 people host, uh, attended a forum hosted by the association of mining and exploration companies with officials from the department of planning lands and heritage in perth there were 170 questions from the floor and only enough time to deal with about 30 of them in what was described as a farcical scene, one mining executive asked whether planting a tree near the Swan River in Perth would require a site inspection by traditional owners and the preparation of a heritage management plan. It would depend on the size of the tree, officials supply, uh, replied. What am I supposed to do with that? The tree is too big. It has destroyed the great spirit. It has destroyed the great Give me 20 vibe. Grand. Yeah, 20 <laughs> grand, please. I mean, seriously. But Aboriginal Affairs Minister Tony Booty has accused farmers and other uh, critics of the regime of scaremongering. Roger Cook, the new Premier, accused the coalition of dog whistling and being on the wrong side of history when it unsuccessfully moved for a six month delay. So, 
that's what you're going to get here. You're going to get Aboriginal, oh, sorry, Australian agriculture and farming absolutely decimated while the people pushing these laws through because it was fast-tracked through Parliament at the end of 2021 and had over 150 amendments done to it after it had already been agreed to because it was done that hastily and that terribly. And then you're going to have people complaining about it. It's going to destroy agriculture and farming in Australia. And then you're just going to have <laughs> your politicians turning around and go, yeah, well, at least I'm on the right side of history. There you go. I guess they are. I suppose so. Vibe check, passed. <laughs> Vibe check, sacred. <laughs> I do want to just dress up as an Aboriginal now. <laughs> I got a skin for it. Uh, you you but... actually don't. Have you seen a picture of them? Well, I just see the Redskins, like, like no, the no, no, no. Uh, uh, after we've done this segment, I'll, I'll buy get some John, dirt then. Don't I'll get worry. John to pick you uh, to to get a picture up of them after we've done this segment. So journos are most affected by everything in life. They are sweet beings, um, rescue animals, if anything, in the modern world that need to be dearly cared for because otherwise they might be upset. I thought we'd just have some fun looking at them cry, because... I don't know, I like schadenfreude. We'll start off just by promoting something... I will something. not cry tears for journos. Yeah, we'll start off by promoting something on lotuses.com, being active measures the book club we did, because journos um, have always been terrible at even their jobs. This, this is just a book looking at the active measures the Soviet Union and the CIA played on each other, and endlessly what they would do is just go to some journo and be like, hey, I've got this clearly made-up story that I've made up to hurt the Soviets or to hurt the Americans... Would you mind printing it? And and the, the German journo who's on coke just goes, I sure would, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then does. So go and check that out. But otherwise, there's a fun account on Twitter called Journos Posting the L's, and I've had many a good time looking at the things they've been... Am I following this person? Up. I should be if I'm not. should be. It's very good fun. Because, I mean, there's some good lessons in there for journos to stop being so insufferable. Mostly, I'm it's... I'm not following them. It's I fun. I am. If you go to the next link, we'd see some of the fun in question that I'm talking about, such as the New York Times here posting, when we travel together with our children, my husband buys himself a ticket in first class and puts me in a children in economy. Yeah. Cry about it. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just think the whole situation's hilarious. It's like some kind of sketch out of a TV show. But all those oldies but goldies, as I'm sure you've seen, things keep popping back up. If you go to the next one there, you see what I'm talking about in that regard. Upward thrusting buildings ejaculating into the sky. <laughs> the cities have to be so sexist. <laughs> and even I forgot that the Guardian printed that. If you want to, if you've got a better way of just building straight up, you go for it. <laughs> it was it was how dare they have I, I, I just, okay, whatever. <laughs> we went to build into the ground or something. That's the female way. Because now it's underground and it's hidden. It's an innie rather than an outie. Uh, uh, it makes sense, actually. You're right, absolutely. I want to live in the giant vagina in the ground. <laughs> anyway, but there's um, also just the, the obvious when they're wrong as well posting, which is good fun. Tucker Carlson is over. 84 million views. <laughs> Suck my ass, woman. And then there's the Defiant L's as well, which, you know, are always great. I mean, the Daily Beast here, local man, says, Donald Trump, he's too old. Joe Biden is old. Get over it. It's fine. I mean, these are these are kind of by the by at this point. They're not not unuseful. They are hilarious. I mean, politicians are all all a little bit too old. Let's be fair. You get the next one there. There's another one though. It's just like every single time, oh, how the Russian media spread false claims about Nazis in Ukraine. The New York Times. One year passes. Nazi symbols in Ukraine on the front <laughs> lines. 
Oh, I, f- I forgot the New York Times became Russian media. I mean, what they really should have done is sandwiched that with other articles from before the war broke out, yeah. pointing to where they were like, there, oh, are, you, there are none. There, are, there might be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the Schadenfreude is what I'm really here for because um, Jono is posting about their lives. I don't know why they feel the need. I mean, just keep it to yourself. No one cares. No one no one has to read about your internal parts of your life because they're always tragic. My, my um, least not in fa- a good way. My least favourite form of journalism are the articles that you do find in the New York Times and in the Atlantic where they decide to give you a story instead of just giving you the article. You know, it's the yeah. ones where it's like journaling where they'll just go... I was oh. sitting on a Monday morning as the yeah. clouds were never the sky and I'm like... What's this got to do with finance? I know. It's so stupid. <laughs> but this one, I mean, they, they get it. Everyone hates them. This guy wrote, everyone hates us. The growing abuse of journalists. And in his own article... <laughs> Am I out of touch? <laughs> no, it's the public who are wrong. He proves in his own article here as to why everyone hates them and somehow misses it himself. So he writes that about a Labour MP who the Times found out was lying to the police. Um, so they sent a reporter to her to ask why are you lying to the police there's the evidence you're lying mm-hmm. what do you have to say we are the media blah 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 I don't you see the news and the hat whatever I don't know what time I don't, I don't like. think they wear the hats anymore they should anyway a Samoa responded to its reporter by saying she should have come down here with a baseball bat and smashed your face in she told the reporter to F off called the police after accusing him of stalking her and held a bucket of water at him wait this is a Labour MP <laughs> yes <laughs> weird how you don't hear about these things Although she resigned from her post as Shadow International Development Secretary in December, Samoa remained an MP and did not apologise for her behaviour to the paper. Okay, Labour MP decides to use violence and uh, threatens small violence to the... <laughs> Labour MP chooses violence. He then just moves on and says President Trump routinely refers to the press as the enemy of the people. I um, don't know, these two things I, are obviously <laughs> the same. He then just writes, without irony or missing a beat... Miss Amore didn't just throw a bucket of water at our reporter, she throw a bucket of water at all of us. <laughs> the great journo homunculus. <laughs> the journo race. <laughs> Nothing to do with Trump. You've, have Literally you ever, zero. This like, he brought him a... up there just to make I don't like Trump statement. And that, that's my reason for bringing that so, up, is that he obviously cannot even pin down why people hate you. And it's because you liars. It's because you insert things that make no sense into the story just to try and poison the water. You ever watched The Thing? The Thing? The Thing, from the 1982. It's no. a film. Well, and that is a, like alien monster film where the monster can take the form of human beings you don't know, but when you figure it out, it tends to turn into just a giant pile of flesh that tries to kill you. That's the journal... The turns jur- into a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> That's the journalists. They're all just one giant pile of flesh. It just turns into the BuzzFeed logo. It starts <laughs> crawling towards you. Uh, but my point that it had nothing to do with Trump. Leftists regularly have been radicalised to the point they're using violence against anyone on the regular Trump did this question mark I, I mean I don't know what your point was there it was obviously just you inserting did not just throw a bucket of water at our reporter Trump threw it at <laughs> us and this is why people hate you you can't report reality even when it throws a bucket of water at you so who's, who's the person here attacking the journo physically well it was clearly the Labour MP but Trump I mean, sh- how can I blame Trump for this shut up so we're going to go through... All right. I was talking to you. I was talking to him, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, I can't get over how they're actually serious in their writing. But we'll go through some examples of just pure schadenfreude. And this is where I think we're going to have the best of times. All right. San Francisco Chronicle decided to write something. Ultimately, hate for bikeless comes from... For bikeless? <laughs> Bicyclists. <laughs> Bicyclists. <laughs> comes from a place of racism, sexism, homophobia, and transphobia. 
a desire to what? cling to the status quo power arrangements. No, the it's because they think they own the road. It's because they're slow. It's because they're slow and they ride in the middle of the road when they should get over. If if they were fast, they wouldn't hold me up. And I wouldn't care. If it was a motorbike <laughs> going speed limit, going brum brum, yeah. it was fine. And they're way more annoying than, say, tractors, because at least tractors are on their way to work. And tractors doing stuff. are doing something. He's going to go make me a loaf of bread, he is. What's the guy on a bicyclist going to do? Oh, you know, he's going to go to work at Facebook and then he's going to he's going to make himself a, a matcha latte and then he's going to go to a meeting and then he's going to chat with friends and then they're going to have lunch. And then he's going to post it all on TikTok. <laughs> a day in my life of being an insufferable bicyclist. Anyway, <laughs> a little bit hate there, but for fun purposes. I mean, that, that's just, uh, what's his face? Jeremy Vine, isn't it? Point being, there's another new cyclist. You just pulled out her ass. I'm just like, this is just like racism and them. The bicycle race is being oppressed. I feel like this person is probably a cyclist. Yeah. Who wrote this article. Well, she doesn't even... I read the thing. She, she writes in here, but just as gay people are no longer willing to stay in the closet, nor women in the kitchen, bicyclists are no longer willing to settle for crumbs in terms of our public roadways. Bicyclists roadway. are no longer willing to stay at the side of the road. <laughs> they we're have to have the whole proud. thing. Traffic lights can't contain me. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't even seem to argue that like, I'm a cyclist and I, you know, it's kind of annoying. There's not enough bike lanes in my ends. No, it is. We are bicycle sexual. And um, we're part of the community. We're being oppressed too. Where is the bee? Bisexual, move out. Bicyclist. That's where we're at. Brain dead. Just get, get up. The thing is, she responded to this. Because I love the checking in with the people who actually write this crap. She responds here. Wow, this proves my point. All the hate in the comments. All the hate in the comments, though. Every single time. Post stupid thing. Wow, it looks like I really triggered a bunch of incels with this one. Every single time. Yeah, you didn't prove any point. You just prove you're retarded. I don't know what to say. Like You're actually a fool. If you sit there and think this is a win for you. She's not the only one, though. Plenty of other journalists have done similar um, oopsies. This person wrote about white privilege. They, they learned about white privilege by riding a bike. Um. <laughs> what? Okay, is there a reason? Did you read this article? Is yeah. there a reason? What's the reason given? Well, I initially thought it would have something to do with the idea that all the people bicycling in London are also like 40 spandex white men who think they're saving the planet. That's yeah. what I, you know, my, my bias is assumed. It would still be a stupid argument to make, but yeah, no. I mean, okay. She argues that cars are white people and bicycles are non-white people and those damn cars, the whole world's beat for them. Whereas us, we have to we have to strive through. That's not making the argument she thinks it is, because she's basically making the argument that I, I guess, uh, judged by the character all along, given the behaviour of cyclists. <laughs> well, no, she she argues that the world is built for cars, white people, and therefore us bicyclists, brown people. I mean, I can already I, I don't, I'm already not wanting to say this because it's so tortured, are being hard done by. Because the cars are keeping a brother down. I think I just pulled my shoulder reaching so far. Yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't make any sense. We'll move to the next one here. This, this is one of the personal favourites I've seen out of this account. Which is a local lady who moved to Germany and then instantly regretted it. She says, I felt unwelcome by the people and not even the great healthcare can convince me to stay. What? Oh no. I'm so sad. Oh no. <laughs> and Nick. <laughs> she says... I also experience weekly microaggressions. How do you know you're a Yankee? What are the microaggressions? What do you want to bet? Should we, should we ask? Um, She's half she, Korean. She uh, 
people squint really hard at her and then they make racist yeah. uh, they go like oh ching chong you oh, no, like the Germans that. are beyond that it's, it's not yeah, the 50s okay. I mean that wouldn't make sense no, for Germans not. these days no the microaggression is that she gets rude looks and comments about her shaky German you can't speak the language and people are upset about that and you're like oh, microaggressions yet again oppressed once again I'll have to move and leave Germany now <laughs> okay Learning German is incredibly expensive and time-consuming, she writes. I'm so shocked that she didn't go. This must have been what it felt like to be a Jew. <laughs> I'm just like the Jews. <laughs> I'm still oppressed. I'm sorry. I, I can't take that seriously. Learning German is so expensive and time-consuming. I mean, are you actually serious? I mean, number one, Duolingo is free, along with every other app. That has German because German is one of the easiest languages to learn as an English speaker. I still won't. You don't have to because you live in Germany. I mean, I mean also, I'm but if English. you move there and just sat there and be like, "All right, love," I mean, they'll speak they'll speak English to me because yeah. that's my privilege as an Englishman. But if you're sitting there and be like, "Well, I don't speak German because it's so expensive," oh god, if you ever downloaded Duolingo, your bank account's ruined by the end of that. I'm sorry, if you can speak English, then you're probably going to do fine in most European countries. But what about my microaggressions? I don't care about your my, microaggressions. My fifis. I don't care about your my fifis. My deep fifis. As your fifis can go shove it. I'm a Yankee leftist. What about my fifis? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> she says, in other countries, such as South Korea, where she'd been before, state-sponsored integration programs offers language classes for free. They're not free. Guess who pays for it? <laughs> Korean taxpayer. That you're sponging off. You could just learn Korean yourself, and there's plenty of tools online to do it. You could buy a book, maybe. Oh, no, that would cost too much money, such as more than zero pence. That would yeah. cost apparently more than it costs to already get a flight over to this foreign country <laughs> where you don't know how to speak the language. I missed... I imagine her being in Korea and be like, they all expect me to speak Korean, and when I try, they're going to be dirty looks. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean... You... <sighs> Quickly, speak some Korean. Annyeong <laughs> um, haseyo. There we are. It's not that hard. Oh, damn. Just book. Moron. Uh, ni hao? Close enough. <laughs> the old rulers. <laughs> Close enough, yep. I miss the comforts of being surrounded by people like me. Hmm. Where, uh, do, you where do you think that's going? English-speaking right. working professionals from diverse backgrounds. Yankee, go home. I don't want to hear it. I miss the diversity. I mean, I've moved to Germany. It's all full of Germans. Germany is not Los Angeles. <laughs> Big shot. Oh, God. Germany offers cuisines from other cultures, but it's nothing like the Asian or Mexican dishes I grew up with. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Send her some international aid, folks. For four pounds a day, you could sponsor local journo to eat bimibap because she's so sad that she has to eat the the Heinchen or whatever Germans are reading these days. I want nobody in any position of power to read any articles like this or this one specifically and think to themselves oh I guess we've got to be more accommodating no you read it and you think good stay out yeah. it's working then she's just like oh it's all cupped off with salad I cannot live so <laughs> okay what did you expect exactly we'll get to the next one here because if you want to actually check out someone who's living in Germany who's um, from an Asian background who isn't a complete insufferable rescue is why I'm going to refer to that person now at this point just a side recommendation just this channel so uh, alright Uyen Story time. Do you watch she, story time? Oh, I watch this lady a lot. She has a, a German boyfriend. She's from Vietnam. And the, the cultural differences are actually hilarious. Mostly the shorts. Oh, all right. I'll be honest. This is oh, just okay. side recommendations. 
in between. You know it's mainly girls who watch story time videos, right? Well, I'm watching the shorts. Oh, okay. So that's okay. That's not gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I click on the shorts, though, real quick. Because awesome. she, um, she actually does a pretty good job. I, this is just turning into my YouTube recommendation at this point. But she'll make videos because she'll go back to Vietnam for a little bit and then just be like, oh, I miss it so much. And then after three days, she's like, why are we sleeping on the floor? This is terrible. Where's my bed? I just find it funny how she's come from a, a very poor background and then goes back and is like, hang on a minute. Mm. Why haven't we advanced in a civilizational way? Like, we're not as poor uh, as we used to be. For some reason, we're still sleeping on the floor. whatever. Yeah. That's it's, what they want to do. That's what they want to do. But it's good fun. She's not sitting there being like, oh my God, I have to learn German in Germany. This is weird. All right. But getting know. back to the uh, absolute rescues that are journos. I like, just saw the headline. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go back to No, John, what are you doing? There we are. No, no, there you go. Slate. My seven-year-old cousin is a sexist bully. Good. Well, no, please don't bully. I'm a journo. I'm a, I'm a humble rescue dog. <laughs> oh, my God. I adore him, but I loathe to tolerate yet another, yeah, but you can't use that drill because you're a girl comment. Well, I mean, is he right, though? My current Can you approach, use a drill? So this is her writing like an agony Anne over here. It's like, dear agony Anne. And that is what Slate is. I'm being bullied by a seven-year-old. I'm 23. <laughs> <laughs> My current approach has been cool puzzlement. Hmm. Why do you think that? Followed up with a, I can see why you would think that. But aren't there, there aren't such things as boy and girl things. And it hurts my feelings when you tell me that I can't do something because I'm a girl. And he goes, yeah, That's whatever, a... where's your bougie? <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't. I, the way that she's put that is the girliest way imaginable. It uh, hurts my fifis. Yeah, it is. It is continuous. <laughs> Not trying to be mean, ladies, but female spaces and all that. And uh, I, I follow up with discussions about uh, how boy-girl distinctions can hurt our friends. It's not getting through, she writes. Funny. I think part of the issue is that I come from working at home, and I'm currently embodying the traditional feminine role, like caregiving. Plus, he is probably getting counter-messaging from at home. <gasps> He's getting propaganda from mum and dad that girls like pink and boys like blue. Oh, oh no. God. Does he perhaps have a sister? Because uh, uh, he might just be observing reality. He went to the car boot sale and um, the Red Cross were there handing out boys lucky dip a pound and girls lucky dip a oh, pound. Oh no. Oh no. He noticed that when he goes to buy toys, he wants an action man and she wants a baby dolly. <laughs> I love him, but these jabs are really hitting me in the soft spot. Oh my spot. God, grow up. <laughs> grow up. Honestly, I know these kind of thoughts are hurting him too. He loves <laughs> No. He loves Elsa, but he told me he can't play with frozen toys because kids will make fun of him. Good. How can I help him approach this behavior? Do I give him a timeout? No, you need a timeout, love. I mean again, there's a reason I'm calling them rescues at this point. I mean this, this... Like, oh, adopt a journo today. They have to learn German. Oh no, they have to deal with someone saying that's a girly thing. Oh, oh the poor little dears. This is just like the Jews in <laughs> Every single time, the journalists, they do really just act like they are being persecuted, don't they? We're going to move to another lady who failed to grow up. I mean, I'm just saying there is a pattern. But I am fat, healthy... <laughs> Good start, all right. I am fat, healthy and happy, and entirely... You can only be two of those things at once. And entirely unsurprised at how quickly the small gains of the body positivity movement have been rolled back with the arrival of a miracle drug. Is, is it 
Right. Before we go any further, YouTube, this isn't medical advice. I don't know what this drug is. I'm not getting into is this, that. Is this new drug, is it insulin? Is that what she's talking about? I think so. It might be. The first time someone told me to try drug was last Thanksgiving. I had already lost 50 pounds in the preceding nine months and was making modest lifestyle adjustments. But if you were already healthy and happy and yeah, fat, why would you want to lose those 50 pounds in the first? Now there's just less of you to love. Riddle me this, Batman. Where are those love handles? <laughs> <laughs> And I had solved the nascent health problems that had set off a huge, uh, the urge to make those changes. Why did you have health problems if you were healthy? Again, another riddle and for why the- why did losing this weight solve those health problems? I am still undeniably a fat person. <laughs> <laughs> I still have to buy two tickets to get on a plane. <laughs> you said it, love. <laughs> but I was feeling incredibly proud of how I had made the initiative and control and gotten healthier in a place uh, all on my own. For the first time in my entire life, I was comfortable in my body. But you're still obese, according to yourself. But you're still undeniably fat. <laughs> For a while, <laughs> it seemed the cultural conversation about size and fatness was limping along some sort of vaguely progressive track. It was far from perfect. It mostly was just, Oi, check out these models who are fat now. <clears throat> yes, it was. It has always been that. I don't know who in the Bozzy Positivity movement didn't realise it was just a load of people in advertising, particularly women in advertising. Come on. Let's, be, let's not pretend it was someone speaking else. Speaking of that, speaking of that, actually, you mentioned you've watch, been watching YouTube. Have you been getting the same advert that I've been getting, which is the PayPal Pride advert? Yeah. Where you get... They've banned me. They still advertise with me. Yeah, you get bloody Lizzo adjacent dancing. On, I, I get the rage in me. Whenever I, I it shows it up now. I just, I just love the idea that someone I'm sorry, that. That, that song has bored itself into my head and reached a festering pit of hatred but, I, I mean, didn't know existed. This rescue here is actually right. I mean, it literally is just, Oi, look, there's fat ones like you. Come on, use the product. <laughs> People of all demographics were pushing back against fat phobia, she says. <laughs> the mm. union was... Yep. I, I really don't think they were. Um, but whatever. I liked it because I am soft-hearted and always rooting for people to be kinder to themselves and also because I was fat. I'm not lying, she writes that, because I am a fat person. But also because I am a fat person. <laughs> it's called copium, So love. it's not just a heart that's soft. Yeah, I mean, we've all been fatter and then lost some. It's, it's not unusual. Yeah. yeah, I'm losing some at the moment. It's a good thing to do. Many of us are on the copium train of uh, this is fine and we know it's not. Don't worry, everyone's been there. But the denial, in which you just turn around and go, yeah, but what if I just lie to myself? Well, it's a lie, isn't it? Now, with the rise of drug, after a brief period of so-called body positivity, yeah, not real body positivity, it hasn't been tried yet, there was an all-too-neat convergence taking place, where promises that were made to the black communities in the wake of Black Lives Matter are experiencing a large-scale corporate and cultural rollback. Brands were quick to capitalise on the fractured cultural movement by vowing to increase their efforts of diversity and equity by supporting black-only businesses. Almost three years later, that tide of enthusiasm is receding fast. Take, for example, the fact that black creators suddenly found fewer brand partnerships on offer this Black History Month. And also, the recent revelation that Spotify has used less than 10% of its $100 million diversity fund. Oh, no. Oh no! I mean, I do love. She's like they put the black community on scrap heap. They put Wasn't the kids this article on about heap. her being fat? Yeah, it is. Where uh, where did all that come from? She's because of course they've got no cultural capital as fatties. So instead, they're trying to link on and be like, well, yeah, yeah. aren't we part of the 
protected characteristics, black people? Well, I mean, there are some overlap. You could say there's... They f- Am I not a brother and a man? There is some overlap You're between two brothers these and a man. communities. You could say there's some fold-over but going you, on. But you can tell it's desperate attempts because... You ever seen the South Park episode about the goo that Muhammad has? I don't think I have seen that so one. So the Prophet Muhammad in uh, South Park, he, they use a censored bar. And um, Rob Reiner figures out that if they can steal his goo, which is what <laughs> makes him completely uncriticizable, uh, <laughs> then they'll put the goo in each other. And once they've all shared the goo, then they'll all be censored bars because South Park won't be able to make fun of them either. Oh, my God. And the point being that obviously there's certain things you're not allowed to criticize in the culture. And what if we all try and latch onto that and yep. claim the same rights? I mean, it did just remind me of, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this clip. Uh, UKIP used to use it a lot. This guy just talking about the mines up north. And he's like, they throw their children on scrap heap as well, don't they? It's like, oh, they throw the fatties on the scrap heap now. God damn. She ends off that article by writing, we need to achieve actual body positivity. So I wasn't even joking. She is on the train of like, it hasn't been tried yet. Yeah, real day. real fatness hasn't been tried. Still, could could be worse. I mean, those are all rescue journos, which um, are just the softest, sweetest things who are scared of your phone. But, I mean, it could, you could just be a retarded journo. That would be pretty hard. I mean, the Times went with that. If you go to the uh, Time magazine, how Ukraine's dam collapse could be the country's Chernobyl. But Ukraine already... <laughs> <laughs> The community knows. (laughs) I'm not saying anything. Just leave that there. Good news, though, to end this all off. If you weren't happy about all the rescue dogs that are available for purchase or uh, donations to keep them safe from learning German, we'll just end this off with good news, folks. Pink News is also getting completely uh, beaten by our own fan base. They decide to say that LGB people are more likely to experience mental health or substance abuse issues, and their own fan base has turned on them. Oh, no. Oh, Oh, no. Anyway, good news. Journos everywhere are finally getting what they deserve in due time, or they eventually will, or the little rescue pups that they are will just curl up and cry, because what else are they to do? It's a good review, come on. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Hold up, up. hold up, hold up. Bloody thing. I'll just... Should we do some elevator music? Okay, I'm ready. Tony D and we Scurvy Joan here with another tale of pirates in South Jersey. The Wreckers. These were the terms for the land pirates who would lure in ships to their doom using lanterns on the beach. But sometimes the Wreckers, well, that was just a term so the boating company could smear the locals after a shipwreck when the locals would steal their cargo and the ship company wanted to recover the cargo and turn it in for the insurance. There's pirates everywhere. I happen to know about this incident, Just, in fact. Um, some people at the time know. said it could be America's 9-11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next one. Just wanted to back up Callum on his notions about culture. The reason it's important is because the police and judges are all culturally inclined in such a way that they believe someone like Dankula deserves to go to prison for... Twitter stuff, as opposed to Mizzy, who is a literal criminal, but they culturally view him as an innocent person due to his skin color. The same goes for the grooming gangs. The the culture of the police and judges makes him think that the comfort of refugees is more important than raped white girls. You see about that uh, boat? Anything about this particular boat? So that boat in question... um... It kind of looks like a party boat. Huge numbers of people climbed onto a boat 
um, sailed out into the Mediterranean and it sunk because there's too many of them. Uh, was this the country that they were heading for's fault? No. Yeah, of course. No, of course, obviously. It wasn't the people involved. Sorry, your country is far too nice that people just can't help but kill themselves getting to it. I this mean, is your fault. Anyone else on Earth does this and we go Darwin Award. Uh, but for some reason, people who have never been outside of Europe are just like, oh, but the rest of the world is hell on Earth. It's not. It's fine. Perfectly li livable, it turns out. That's why there's humans there. But I did see a lot of people retweeting that, just going, finally, some good news. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be such a thing. It's a joke. <laughs> Let's go to the uh, Written rain comments. comments then. So Andrew Narog says, great news all. My wife gave birth to our second son, Edward, last Saturday. So, Oh, you know, wonderful. Congratulations. In the chat. I want to see I want to see some applause in the chat. How do you do applause? You can't do F because that's obviously the wrong. Salutes. Salutes in the chat. There you can are. do salutes in the chat. You could do... Uh, wait, do there, are there no emojis available in the chat? No. Yeah, there is. Because they could just do the clap emoji. But then again, it seems more like those SJW like, this is so important. Kind of things. Literally. I'm, uh, da, 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 da. No, that did not work. Did it not? It, it just came out as undefined. Written <laughs> 10 times. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not your child. Your child is defined. <laughs> All right, but we'll go back to the written comments. So Alexander Drake says, Harry, I enjoyed your and Connor's stream Friday. Looking forward to part two on the LGBT civil rights movement history series you mentioned. Wonderful. Thank you very much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's been, it's been had a bit of a mixed response in the Rumble comments, but to be fair, a lot of the mixed response I'm happy to see has turned around. There were a lot of people who were saying that they were very hesitant towards it before they listened to it, and then they listened to the full thing and uh, it changed their mind. We gave them a lot to think about. I hope part two does the same thing and that um, history series that I mentioned, I'm still doing the research for it because it's a, a big bit of work that I've taken on for myself there, but hopefully it'll turn, turn out to be worth it. Le French Imam of Pieces says, shouldn't the government have a Ministry of Propaganda if they're going to do this? Or shall we say Ministry of Truth? No, we just call it the Home Office. Yeah, they would just, it would be too obvious yeah. if they did that. Kevin Fox says, always a sad day when the sun went from tits on page three to her jabs <laughs> on the front page. Why not both? To be fair, who knows what was on page three in that issue? Maybe she was there, you know. Why not do the Mia Khalifa treatment? Do both. Maybe, maybe, that, <laughs> maybe that hijab was all she yeah. was wearing. Duh. Oh, no. Duh. No. Which your paper would get burnt down overnight. <laughs> Oh, no. I'm not opposed to it. The sun are scum. Well, yeah. Like, they, they will just print absolute lies about people. Awesome. Um, Gregos Pashinshishigevich over there says, the controlled spontaneity is exactly a government psyop designed to subdue the population's response to being slaughtered in their own country. Yep. Yeah, right between the lines. Uh, very well. Shaker Silver says, I will constantly ask people if they truly believe we live in a liberal democracy when the democratic will is manipulated in efforts like these or the vast amount of social media censorship. We have a protectionist racket of elites at the top who only serve themselves and their ideology. Yeah. I, personally, I would say that is liberal democracy just because, you know, there's liberal democracy as they sell it to you and then liberal democracy as it actually exists. Bro, it's, it's, I hate that country. It's run by oligarchs. Oh my God. Which one? Someone online says white van control now. I, I agree. Yep. Can't believe white people would do this. On to the Australia shakedown comments. Base Ape says, I literally just laughed out loud. Excuse me, sir, what type of petrol does your car take? Diesel, unleaded, or unsniffable? <laughs> this, these are the important questions that Aboriginals have to be asking themselves. Sophie Liv, man, European breadbasket, also known as Ukraine, won't be able to deliver as much food because war... Farming in general has become far more expensive simply due to the energy crisis that has not been solved and energy and nobody's attempting to solve. 
China is deeply dependent on food imports as they outright destroyed their own countryside, but also due to population collapse, they lack their own farmers. Belgium, the second breadbasket of Europe, are, are aiming to cut 30% of farming to protect the swamps. And they... Why do you want to protect... Swamps are horrible. Swamps are swamps. You call something a swamp if it's bad. Well, they're swamp Germans, so they... No, I suppose so, it's yeah. It's source of life. Got a good point, but they're pricing farmers. You've seen how Bel farming. North Belgians are made? <laughs> you see that scene from Lord of the Rings where they, they get the orc out of there? <laughs> where they get the Uruk eye out? Is yeah. that what they do? They just go to the swamps and they get the Belgians out. And it comes out, <laughs> God. We're basically facing a giant... They calm him down and tell him, no, you love the EU. <laughs> <laughs> giant global farming crisis to come this very winter. Uh, I know. <laughs> We've just lost all of our Belgian viewers. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you have. No, uh, don't implicate me in this. I don't know, but actually they might respond and be like, well, yeah, how do you know? <laughs> Damn, he's got insider information. That's the next big oh. YouTube thing you're going to do, isn't it? New, new documentary, <laughs> How Are Belgians Made? <laughs> <laughs> Let's attack the farmers. Also, guys, buy emergency food. Yeah, probably not a bad idea. Fuzzy Toaster. I lived in Perth, Australia in the early to mid-90s. Sure, I was young, but I remember it fondly. Wave Rock was great. I don't remember Aboriginal heritage, but I do remember pointing out a young woman passed out on the road. She's probably been smelling too much petrol. Don't do that, said my mum. <laughs> Aboriginals are just cautionary tales for Australian children. Uh, as you said, that is indeed a thing they did and currently do. Sad. Well, that's the thing. If Australia wants to sort out problems that are actually relating to the Aboriginal population, this isn't the one that they should be focusing on. Let's be honest here. Keith Rowe, this is how it happens in Canada. The Aboriginal grift is real. Everything is to be consulted with Indigenous with lots of lawyers. Sophie again. When an Australian Aboriginal woman had a baby with a white settler, the Aboriginals would place the baby on an anthill to be eaten alive by the ants. I didn't know this part. Uh, and it was the whites who would rescue the influent. I'm just pointing this out, this curious historical fact. Very interesting. No comment. Ewan Baker. Also, don't look into Aboriginal IQ statistics. Uh, Ewan Baker says, Justin Trudeau will be down there with a black face and clipboard. Uh, X, Y, and Z says, These Aboriginal sacred sites are a real trusters, bro. There's one there. We won't tell you exactly where it is, nor will we tell you, nor will we tell you what it is, but you just can't go there. Just don't go there. Don't go there, bro. Why don't they just claim all of Australia again? I mean, the, the, this is just this is just a very roundabout the whole place way of getting good vibes. There. So, <laughs> I mean, it does. It's literally their homeland. So why don't they just claim the whole thing? I mean, this is a good question. They probably will. Hey, hey, ho, ho! White people got to go. Like, there you go. The Apparently, opposite yeah. of the white Australia policy implemented as soon as possible. <laughs> fuzzy, to uh, fuzzy Toaster. I declare the landmass north of the English Channel and south of the North, uh, North Sea a small collection of islands, really. Cultural heritage. Now piss off. Excellent idea. X, Y, and Z again. These Aboriginal sacred sites are... Uh, that's the same one repeated. Andrew Tarr. It's nearly impossible to do anything in Canada without some tribe throwing a fit. Even when the tribe that owns the land is in favour, a different one shows up out of nowhere and destroys the project. <laughs> no, that's our land, actually. No, that's our land. I'm just imagining the... That's not your land, buddy. Well, that's not your land, pal. Your, your neighbour tries to build a bookshelf. Is there someone you forgot to ask? Me. <laughs> yep. X, Y, and Z again. A mate of mine used to be firmly of the belief that one of the worst problems in Australia was a failure to, uh, how should we say, um, eradicate the problem. Cough. Oh, I don't know if I should read that. Uh, they're trying to change the constitution to give an unelected group of bureaucratic activists a way to totally circumvent the democratic process. Yeah, I saw that as well, but it wasn't as relevant to the overall story. So, And plus, I didn't know exactly what it would entail. So I guess we'll find out how Australia is going to continue shooting itself in both feet. They probably wouldn't end up giving... Um selected seats in the legislature to them. 
Oh, actually, I'm I, I mentioned it. Now. John, get us, get us up a picture of an Australian Aboriginal so that we can see what Callum would have to do to try and pass as one. Can we have a picture of an actual one that lives a normal life, you know, getting drunk instead of, like, with feathers in his head and there's, scars there, down his arms? There's, there's far more pictures of the ones just, like, getting drunk and such. I can yeah. send you some videos. Uh, I was talking to a friend about um, American Indians. <laughs> But of course, they don't walk around wearing headdresses unless they're in Washington. Yeah, uh, just just any, uh, just go down. Just just uh, any of those really. Like uh, that, that's a very flattering one. No, go off that one. The uh, more typical is this the one. BBC is the uh, the Al Jazeera one there. Uh, no, no, no. The the, the Al Jazeera. Yeah, yeah. These these sorts of ones. Oh no, not that one. Other one. <laughs> oh, they're making a right faff of this. <laughs> the other one to the right. That down. That one. Yeah, that that that's more like typical. So if you right. want to, if you could pass as as uh, an Aboriginal, I'd be very impressed. You'd probably get in a lot of trouble for it, so I wouldn't recommend it. Do I really care about being banned from going back to Australia? I mean, you might not. Be I want to go to Australia at some point. Be worth it for a laugh, wouldn't it? I mean, for you, I, I mean, like Lauren Summers banned, but it's just like, eh, oh well, <laughs> what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> I mean, if you don't want to go to Australia, then fair play. Let's carry on, shall we? All right. On the journos being most effective. Uh, Le French Imam of Pieces says, as a bicyclist, I approve the message that bicyclists are white supremacists. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a fuzzy toaster says, I have lived all over Vietnam, Indonesia, Australia, Cambodia, Canada, uh, Siberia. I can confidently speak French and Latin. I can adequately speak Spanish, German, and... Um, Foreign. I know a smattering of Italian, Cantonese, and Russian. This person has no excuse. When I was little, my parents were worried I wasn't going to speak English as a main language. It's three bob for a phase, phrase book at any airport for any language. Yeah, it's just comical. It's... I mean, that's, that's what I would do. I'm not going to learn the full language by heart. I mean, I mean, I couldn't be bothered to do that in school. I'd just get the phrase yeah. book. But, but either way, I mean, her saying, oh, but it's too expensive to learn German. I mean, it is the equivalent of being a professor. You've given your students three weeks to write a page. And she comes back and goes, oh, I'm so busy, though. I mean, to so be fair, had I, no lectures. You've... I can't really judge because I'm going to go Spain later on this year. And the only phrase that I'm going to need is, un biro, por favor. <laughs> Can you not at least say it with a cerveza? No. No? All right. Uno biro. <laughs> I, I promote integration of foreigners anyway. Uno biro, yeah. Pa, pa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to live there. I'm just going to be there yeah, for a yeah. week. I think it's okay with Taurus because uh, that's fun. Also, I just love it when you meet a tourist and they speak no English. And it's just like, okay, let's uh, draw some penises on his head when he sleeps. What? <laughs> because what's he going to do? How's he going to explain that to people? Why are you in a situation where you can draw penises on his head while he sleeps? Are you following him to his hotel? No, if you're going camping or something, you're at the campsite. Someone there who doesn't speak English is like, wait for him to sleep. And How is he going to explain that to anyone? <laughs> He's screwed. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, that just came out of nowhere. Where did this come it's, from? It's good fun. Anyway, Sophie Lev Peterson says uh, she doesn't realise that the kids are generally little assholes. He will try to get a reaction out of you uh, if they think they can upset you. Yeah. Try to push boundaries is kind of part of being a child. So what you need to do is, you know, be an adult and not be a rescue. You could try. Brandon Tom says white privilege is paying for a bike. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, I didn't think that through before I read it. <laughs> Jake Silver says, I mean, Vietnam was advanced enough to repeal both the US and China. So give them some credit. Yeah, I just, I don't get the, I understand the reasoning, which is it's too bloody hot, so why would we sleep on a mattress? We'll sleep in the concrete, thank you. But, can we not at least have a camp bed? I mean, even her, when she went back, she was like, I, I'm not used to Wait, this Wait, was again. she Vietnamese or Korean? The lady I was showing you who mm -hmm. has a good YouTube channel, not the rescue journal. Yeah. Right. She goes back and says, they literally sleep on concrete. Wait, sorry, is it Vietnamese or Korean? 
Vietnamese. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes yeah. more sense. Because it's all human and stuff. They literally they, they, lie down the concrete. Don't they do bit. that in Korea and Japan as well? I because it would make less sense there. Because surely, given the elevation, uh, there it's a bit cold, colder climate. I surely. think they've got beds in Korea and Japan. Hmm, fair. But it's, I mean, this is like rural Vietnamese as well. It's not the same. Oh, all right. Well, they probably just have AC. But anyway, at least the rich people. Right of time. More from us. Go to our website. If you don't, don't bite.